from the heart.org radio you are listening to cardiology in india with dr dennis xavier from st john's national academy of health sciences in bangalore today we are happy to have dr srinath reddy on this program dr reddy is very popular not just in india but globally as well he is presently the president of the public health foundation of india and prior to this he was the professor and head of cardiology at all india institute he initiated this whole uh, plan and program to set up a public health institute in india and and it's doing quite well in different parts of the country so today we're going to speak to him about his perspectives on the government's response to the increasing cardiovascular disease burden in india so dr reddy thank you for being with us on this radio show and today we'd like to hear your thoughts broadly on the government's response and your thoughts on you know what more should we be doing so my very first question to you is increasingly there is awareness that cardiovascular disease is going up in india so from your perspective sir how is the government responding to this well it's been about two decades of knowledge and advocacy that have actually influenced the governmental programs presently it was as early as 1993 when we first pointed out that cardiovascular disease was becoming a major problem in india and while it was more manifest in the urban areas even in the rural areas the risk factors were becoming widely prevalent and therefore a mass epidemic was actually unfolding yes. however the government at that time was so preoccupied with some of the other problems like infectious diseases poor maternal and child health indicators as well as undernutrition in children and rightly so yes yes that they felt this chronic diseases like cardiovascular disease were still not something that needed to be fitted into government programs but in the past decade the knowledge that this have now become widespread are causing premature mortality which affects national productivity adversely are raising healthcare costs very high yes are cause of impoverishment apart from being related to poverty and that these are now requiring and demanding in fact attention from health systems yes has made the government recognize that they needed to accommodate this in the form of a national program yes and the fact that now we have a national program that's been piloted in some districts of india over the last 3 years but is now ready for wide scale scale up across the country suggests that the government is serious in its intent uh, apart from cardiovascular diseases the fact that diabetes also has risen very rapidly and is a major risk factor for cardiovascular disease is something that has concerned the government so a composite program called the national program for prevention and control of cardiovascular disease diabetes and stroke has been developed it's likely that a pre-existing program for cancer is also likely to be merged into this okay there is also a program that exists separately for tobacco control but even that is likely to be aligned to this program so that the risk factors of cardiovascular disease as well as the disease itself can be dealt together in a composite manner what we are hoping that this program will get additional funds 
in the 12th five-year plan, which is beginning this year. Okay. And that the state governments, who are the main implementers of any health program, even if it is centrally designed, will get the required support and feel motivated to implement this program fairly strongly. Yes. Some states like Tamil Nadu have already started doing it even before the central program unfolded. Yes. But there are many others who may wish now to take it up on a larger scale now that central funding is also likely to be assured for the program. Good. You have a lot of experience internationally with different programs that have been rolled out. Some have been successful, some have yet to see much success. So in your opinion, Dr. Reddy, which of those strategies that have been tried out in the West would be appropriate for India? And is that part of the NCD program that you just described for India? Well, our own health transition, as in other developing countries, has been telescoped okay. in the sense that we have seen this epidemic advance very rapidly and mature very rapidly, not only affecting many sections of society, but actually even now having a reversal of social gradient for the poor becoming more vulnerable. Yes. So in such a mass epidemic, we need to combine strategies. Right. So we firstly need measures that enable the population to make and maintain healthy living choices right. and create a conducive environment for that. So you require policy-level interventions which actually span multiple sectors, not just confined to the health sector. Yes. So whether it is tobacco control, which requires a lot of action in terms of raising taxes on tobacco, banning smoking in public places, or banning advertisement, or having very effective health warnings, those measures have to be in place. Similarly, when we're talking about healthy diets, yes. we have to align our policies in agriculture, food processing, all of that to the availability and affordability of healthy foods like fruit and vegetables or processed foods with low amount of trans fat, saturated fat and salt and sugar. Yes. Similarly, when we are talking about promoting exercise, particularly in urban areas, we have to ensure that urban amenities are available for safe and pleasurable physical exercise. Yes. It becomes a part of the daily routine. In fact, we do not want people to feel compelled that they have to go to gyms to undertake exercise. It should become part and parcel of their daily routine. Yes. In fact, I say that it's a paradox of modernity that previously people used to be paid for doing physical work. Now they have to pay for <laughs> doing physical, physical work, work by right. paying a gym membership fee and so on. So we do require multisectoral action. And these policies should create an environment in which people actually move towards healthy living habits. Right. At the same time, we also need to ensure that within the health system, we have the ability not only for health promotion through appropriate education of people, which enables them to acquire the information and knowledge needed to protect, preserve, and promote their own health. Right. This can be done through mass media, but this should also be done through settings-based education like schools, work sites, and so on. We have had experience of worksite interventions which have been very effective. Yes. And some school interventions as well. But the health system itself has to now gear itself up also to detect people who have risk factors who are manifesting disease as early as they can be detected. 
so that they can be treated cost-effectively but appropriately okay. so that complications do not set in. People with risk factors do not proceed to manifest disease and people with manifest disease do not have recurrence of events or complications. Or complications. Right. So the health system has to get itself up and there particularly strengthening primary health care becomes very, very important. Right. And then also providing a continuum of care by linking a primary to secondary and tertiary care. Our health systems so far have not been geared for chronic care. They have been mainly configured for acute episodic care. So right. that needs to be changed. We also have to contend with the fact that our health workforce is heavily constrained in terms of both numbers and skills. So we need to actually train a larger number of people right from specialists down to community health workers. But in terms of primary health care, probably we'll have to transfer many more functions to non-physician healthcare providers. Right. At the same time, we need to skill all our health workforce to deal with chronic diseases much more effectively because training hitherto has been relatively neglectful of chronic diseases because the other public health challenges were accorded higher priority. Right. Now we need to restore some balance in that. Yeah, those are very useful thoughts. And now you mentioned a while ago that we do have an NCD program now that has been piloted and that's going to be scaled up. In the pilot program, as well as in the strategies that you just mentioned, what are the few key barriers that we would anticipate which uh, we need to deal with and your suggestions for you know dealing with it? Well, as I said, firstly, competing priorities. Right. Because governments still feel that they have to do a lot more on communicable diseases, maternal and child health issues. So whatever entry chronic disease programs like uh, cardiovascular disease program have come in, have had a grudging entry. Right. So need, they need to be accepted as an important public health issue. And this acceptance has to come not only from policymakers, but from health system managers as well as the health workforce. Right. So they need to be reoriented towards this particular priority. Right. Secondly, we do require a much larger health workforce to be dedicated for this. Right. And since we are short of that workforce, apart from community health workers and non-physician health care providers I have mentioned, yes. we need to multi-skill people so that people who are working even in other existing health programs can perform some of yes. these functions. Right. There is no reason why somebody working in a tuberculosis control program can't also undertake some functions of tobacco control. Right. Why somebody working in a maternal and child health program doesn't use a captive antenatal audience for talking about healthy diets for the family. Right. So there are so many things that can be done through other programs as well. So that integration is also required. Third, of course, is to ensure that drugs which are needed, essential drugs, right. are provided at affordable cost or preferably free of cost, at okay. least at the public health facilities. Right. Because cost of these drugs is going to become a major barrier. Right. And the people do not continue to take medication which is required for a long time or a lifetime. Yes. And therefore, the government should step in to supply these drugs which are in the essential drug list free of cost. And the Indian government has just announced its intention to do that through public facilities. Okay. So to some extent, some of the issues related to affordability of drugs may be addressed. I believe Sorry, if I could interrupt you there because this drugs is an important issue. If, if you could elaborate a little more on which of the drugs are likely to come in the 
list and and uh, therefore would be free well all the drugs which are in the national list of essential medicines okay so the antihypertensive drugs would be there but some mm -hmm. of the statins are also statins, there right. so they have included many of the drugs that are required for cardiovascular medicine this list is drawn from the WHO list, right? But with some national adaptation, adaptation, right? Local adaptation. The other element, of course, is that people who do require hospitalization for cardiovascular disease, yes, are threatened by very high expenses, which are often catastrophic. Yes. So now we have both a national insurance scheme for people who are below the poverty line and are migrant workers, which provides some financial support. Okay. And there are some state insurance schemes which actually offer even a higher level of financial support yes. for people with cardiovascular disease or cancers to have treatment. We are pleading that there should be a system of universal health coverage which actually incorporates all of the existing schemes and ensures that people who require care for life-threatening ailments or for uh, treatments which actually improve quality of life substantially in cardiovascular disease to be provided free of cost under the universal health coverage scheme right so that financial barriers should not actually affect person's ability to obtain care so some measure of financial protection is also important right those are useful thoughts again so about a year ago the un general assembly met on ncds and globally it was a landmark and many of us we were quite happy that this happened and many countries have taken up some of the suggestions made. So your thoughts on how India has perceived this and particularly what are the actions that they are implementing following the UN General Assembly on NCDs? Well, India has accepted the resolution and indeed uh, enthusiastically voted for it. Right. It did raise the issue, however, that mental health, which was not part of the overall NCD grouping in that resolution, should also be added. And it has followed it up with by moving a resolution at the World Health Assembly this year. Right. And that resolution has been also adopted and the WHO will act on it. Right. But after having done that, within the space of the political resolution, the four major disease groups that have been identified, cardiovascular, cancer, diabetes, and chronic respiratory, are being addressed by the government of India through different programs. Uh, as I said, the India has already a fairly strong tobacco control program. Yes. And that's being uh, stepped up further and being integrated with some of these other NCD programs. Right. But now I think now they're setting out in real earnest in developing standard management guidelines and so on for cardiovascular disease and diabetes. They're looking at how health education can be improved so that people can be empowered with information. Right. So there is a lot more energy that's being brought into the process. Right. India, however, feels that this particular political resolution, while helpful internationally to give a direction, yes. is that India has to deal with this problem mostly through its own resources. Right. So the government is not really depending upon financial assistance from any other country for driving this program though I'm sure it certainly welcomes technical assistance. It's a good sign that in India has firstly taken it seriously and is also looking into raising the resources locally to deal with it and that really speaks for sustainability later on as well, which is, which is, a, which is a good sign. Final thing, Dr. Reddy, we are all delighted and I should have actually introduced this part of 
your new portfolio at the beginning, but we kept this for the end, which is you taking over as the president of the World Heart Federation. All of us are delighted with this whole thing, and I'm sure with your excellent international perspectives, as well as a very strong local presence and influence, you can do a lot. So we're curious to hear your plans, first for the World Heart Federation globally, and also for India especially. Well, I'm still the president-elect, and I'll take over from current president in January 2013. Right. Nevertheless, I think the World Heart Federation itself has evolved over the last 15 years. I've been associated with it in different capacities for 15 years, so I've seen that evolution. Right. From being an organization which had a relatively limited presence and role, yes. now it has acquired the mantle of leading the charge in not only globally across the whole world, but particularly in low- and middle-income countries. The part of the mission statement says very clearly that low- and middle-income countries are going to be prioritized for prioritized. improving cardiovascular health. Right. Given that mission, I think the World Heart Federation's presidency offers a great opportunity to work across the world, but particularly with colleagues in the low- and middle-income countries to try and shape national advocacy efforts, right. move them into policy and program domain, right. and then try and see that these policies and programs are successfully implemented by building national and global coalitions. So building these coalitions is going to be absolutely important from our point of view. Right. And recognizing again that we need to not only build coalitions among ourselves, but also to extend it to other groups like persons working in diabetes or persons working with cancer, I think building these coalitions for successful implementation is going to be one of the critical priorities. Right. At the national level, from our point of view, I think the fact that I've been unanimously elected as president of the World Heart Federation certainly gives certain credentials when yes. I speak with the government or uh, yes. have a discussion with our colleagues from other organizations. While I think our connectivity with all of these groups has been pre-existing, yes. uh, certainly the importance of this particular organization and the stature that the presidency brings to anybody who has been given that uh, position, yes. I think provides a greater weight to whatever we say when we start advocating with the government. And uh, therefore, in the Indian programs, I would like to bring much greater presence of people in public health and uh, particularly people interested in cardiovascular health into various committees of the government right. uh, so that they can actually have a presence when policies are being discussed and when programs are being shaped. Yes. So in order to open the doors yes. for people who are much more passionate about this yes. and bring them into much closer contact with the bureaucrats and the technical bureaucrats who make policies is something that I would like to do and right. hope that that will enrich the programs, uh, invigorate all the health system uh, components that are required for making this program successful. And in India, I would like to particularly ensure that some of the states will become champion states right. for pushing through these programs very effectively so that they can be emulated later on by other states. Right. So I would like to use the opportunity of my presidency to try and identify three or four states with whom we can work at the national level, right. but also at the provincial level, so that we can actually ensure that they become models of success and bring in 
some of the international resources also to back up these efforts so that these successful models can then actually inspire other states to follow suit. Right, right. And your thoughts on uh, India being able to achieve this 25 by 25, which is 25% reduction in cardiovascular disease by 2025? Well, realistically speaking, it's a very tough call. Right. For many low- and middle-income countries, the epidemic is still on the upswing. Right. And it's going to be far more difficult to contain it and reverse it to the extent of 25% reduction yes. compared to some of the Western countries where it's already on the already. downswing. Yes. On the other hand, we should see it as a challenge because particularly there has been a qualifying component to this goal that yes. it is mortality below 70 years. Okay. So even if we succeed in deferring the mortality to age of above 70, Right. And we avoid don't. some of the major problem of premature mortality. That yes. would be a great success. Yes. So I believe that if we have to do this in the next 13 years and we don't have too much time left, yes. it's time that we really push the pedal on the accelerator right. of our policies and programs. Yes. So we need to get our government to get serious. Right. And therefore all of us have to work together to tell them that we can't tackle this problem by waking up in 2020. Yes. That we need to start doing this from now. Right. And if we do that, I think we'll be able to reach close to the goal and may actually even attain the goal. Yes. So thank you very much, Dr. Reddy, for speaking with us. It was very, very insightful that you shared all these perspectives from the position you're holding as the president of the Public Health Foundation of India, firstly, and now as a president-elect of the World Heart Federation. Basically, being a clinician, you, you brought in a lot of policy-level issues, which be very useful for our listeners to get a good perspective. Thank you once again, and we look forward to speaking with you once more uh, in, in the next few months to get more of your thoughts. Thank you for having me on the program, and I would like to avidly listen to the other interviews that you're conducting sure. and then learn a lot more from some of the people that you interact with. And I'm sure that this program overall is not only innovative, but it's going to be very informative across the world. Thank you. Thank you once again. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Cardiology in India with Dr. Dennis Xavier. Visit theheart.org for the latest cardiology news, education and discussions.